Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast show, a podcast that helps foster respect through inclusion, service, and equity. Now here's your host, Stacey Hegarty. Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. I'm Stacey Hegarty, Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. Joining us today, we've got two guests from Luna Language Services. First, we have Na Fa, Director of Language Services, and Tiffany Hansen, Manager of Strategic Engagement. Welcome, both of you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for Thank having you. us. Let's start with some introductions. Tell me about yourselves. Na, we'll start with you. Sure. Again, my name is Na Paul. I'm the Director of Language Services here at Luna. I am originally from Burma, so I speak a few languages myself and I still do some interpreting, but my main and primary work here at Luna as the Director of Language Services is that I work very closely with our interpreters, more than 200 languages in a day-to-day basis. And I get to work with our awesome coordinators and our clients that work with interpreters day-to-day basis. Thank you. And uh, <laughs> I'm Tiffany Hansen. I'm the manager of strategic engagement. A lot of the work that I do is a combination of marketing, community outreach, public education, sales, account management. So really a lot of my work is intertwined with a lot of different functions of the organization, really helping a lot of things to come together to help us to accomplish our mission. Well, tell us about Luna Language Services. This is such a cool organization, and I am so glad that you're getting to share this with everybody. So tell us about Luna. Yeah, so Luna is a language services company, which means we provide translation and interpretation services. But really, we're a very mission-based company. We believe that language access is a right. And a big part of the work that we do is really simply making sure that information, resources, and job opportunities are accessible to folks from all different language backgrounds. We have a variety of service line applications so that we kind of have a solution for any situation where there's a language barrier. And then we just really help our clients to understand how to apply those service lines to make sure that they're communicating effectively and efficiently. That's a lot. You do a lot of really incredible work. And as some of our listeners already know, my background is in anthropology. So I think of everything we do as being related to culture and language is an essential piece of culture. So how does Luna help to build cultural connections from worker to employer and to the community at large through language? Yeah, so I'll start first because I do a lot of our community engagement. Really, a lot of the work that I do is working in partnership with organizations like the Immigrant Welcome Center or refugee resettlement organizations like Exodus Refugee Immigration. A lot of those organizations will help to connect talent in the community to local employers. And then Luna can come in side by side with one to make sure that those organizations can communicate in any of the languages that they need, but two, to make sure that if the employers need help with language access, that we can help them to talk through those solutions and those options as well. In addition, I do a ton of public education about language access opportunities. What does that look like? How do you budget for it? I'm really just helping organizations to understand where language barriers occur and where some possible solutions might be for them. 
Sure, I would like to just echo on what Tiffany has just said. So, for instance, when you talk about culture and language, it's when we get to work with a lot of people from different countries where they bring in different cultures. But then, when language is additional barrier for them, people are already starting a new culture. Just like you and I, if we were to go into a new country and we have to start learning a new language and a new culture. Is a lot of you know challenges for people. So, for instance, if an employee started working for a new job, maybe this is their first time you know working in a warehouse or in a factory where they need to be explained in the language that they understand. A lot of time, you see that people will nod their head even though they don't understand your instruction because they want to impress you that they understand you when you are giving them instruction. Where they nod their heads, it doesn't mean that they understand all the instruction that you are giving them. If It is not the language that they speak fluently. So making sure they understand the instruction even before they start their work. For instance, if they are expected to stand up all day in the line, even though the work doesn't continue, they are still required. To stand up because they may think that oh it's okay for me to just sit down on the floor when I'm working for the work to come in. So those are the little thing you see when having clear communication through a language provider is a main key. I like that example of a worker who maybe feels like it's the obvious thing that well there's nothing for me to do right now. Let me just go ahead and sit down. And there are a lot of implications that come from that. Now, first of all, there's safety issue potentially. Secondly, that may be interpreted by a supervisor as this person is being lazy. They're not wanting to work because of the cultural expectations that may be different. In the U.S., as opposed to their home country, so I think it's really important for supervisors to also understand the differences and be able to articulate very clearly what the expectations are. Well, really quickly, Stacy, another thing that Na and I were talking about today was time clock culture and how that may be different in other cultures. So, Na, can you talk a little bit about BST and <laughs> explaining time clock culture to the simple? Whenever I walk into our meeting here, even for a minute late, our boss, our CEO, will start teasing me with the BST, which is Burmese Standard Time. Fortunately, many Burmese are now learning the new culture here in the U.S. In Burma, maybe if you are running late for 15 minutes, that's considered you know you're on time, right? And myself, when I lived in Burma, I've worked almost my whole life after school, but then I've never used a time clock where you clock in. You know, 9 a.m. You're supposed to clock in, and then 3 p.m. You're supposed to clock out. Where people maybe not familiar with that system, so understanding of the clock in, then the clock out, it's even a big barrier for people who have never had to deal with that in their life. What about the piece of instructions, waiting for instructions, being told what to do? Does that come into play? Oh yeah, definitely. Like I just said earlier, like you would see a lot of time when you're working with people that don't speak fluent English, but then they like to show you, you know, as their supervisor or their team lead or their boss that they understand your instruction. And in the back of their mind, they're like, "I don't think I totally understand him." But then if I say no or if I ask question, then they may not like it. So I rather nod my head and pretend that I understand it. And then later on, I would just deal with it. And then if I have problems, then the problem will come later. So that happens when people don't have like instruction. For instance, if you expect them to use certain bullet points of instruction to do their work in their day to day work, then it's very helpful if they can see it in their own language. They can read it in their own language. 
if numbers are in their own languages or at least like picture and again picture can be very tricky as well in many cultures like putting your hand like this in the u.s culture i think that's okay that's polite but then in Burma, it's used to treat somebody that you don't respect or, for instance, animals are not as much as well-treated here in the U.S. in many countries. So I was working with a client one time and the employee came up to their boss and said, if I'm called like this the next time, then I'm going to punch that person on their face and I'm going to leave the job. I don't care if I lose my job. So it means so much to them when somebody just even, you know, show that to them. So even if you are creating some pictures or some signage, it's very important to make sure that that is uh, culturally appropriated with yeah. certain employees. I think one of the biggest parts of onboarding for employees that can become overwhelming is the part where you're selecting your benefits and figuring out healthcare and dental and vision and do I need this? Do I need that? And then throw in a language barrier. And most countries don't have a healthcare system like we have in the US. So this is a completely new concept to so many people. Not, is this something you see a lot with onboarding new employees? Of course, Stacey. To be honest, myself, I have lived in the US for 20 years and I still have a lot of questions whenever we do those, you know, our benefit at Luna here for our employee myself. So like you just mentioned in Burma, for example, there is no health insurance at all. So the amazing thing is that the word health insurance doesn't even exist in, in the Burmese, many of the Burmese dialects. So when I interpret the word insurance, I have to define it and explain to people this is what it means. So because of that, and we all know that insurance benefits is very complicated. So it is a big part when somebody who understand very detailed about the benefit of that health insurance and if an employer has that benefit and make sure the employee understand it 100%, then that is a big part of their interest to work for that employer. And the benefit is that if I know that my employer in the Burmese community, I've experienced that if I know that that employer offer very good benefit and I have already used it myself, then I would tell my mom, I would tell my in-laws, I would tell my church members. And then that employer will continue to have those workers that are in the same community. There are a lot of things that an interpreter can do for an organization. And we've hit on a couple of those things, but tell us how the experience can change for both the employer and the employee when they're using a service like Luna Language Services to assist their employees in overcoming this language obstacle. I think Tiffany and I recently had a very good experience that we had a site visit with our client and she noticed and she even took a picture of me with that particular associate where they see me and I started talking the same language and they, you can see the big smile on their face. So I would have Tiffany have that testimony actually. <laughs> Yeah, no, it is really great. You know, folks are really just trying to get jobs and work hard to provide for their family, whether that's here or also sending resources back home. And so when they come into a workplace and it's hard for them to communicate with a lot of other people, it is really great for me when I get to take knowledge to some of these facilities because I'm not multilingual. I speak English and Spanglish. I'm working on my Spanish. <laughs> but now I speak, what, like five different languages. And so 
as she starts to communicate with people, like their face really, really lights up and they start to, they're like, oh, let me tell you all the things I need to tell you. You know, all of a sudden she gets kind of roped into these conversations, but people are just so eager to communicate in a language that they understand with someone. I will say and to what Nal just said, it, it significantly helps with both recruitment rates. You know, as she mentioned, when you have an employer, I mean, and this is just the basis of employers, right? As employers understand that they treat their employees better by investing in a lot of really great benefits and by investing in programs to help with employee development incentives. If those aren't communicated to your employees well, then they don't know how to take advantage of them and they can't go tell other people about them, Right. So once that happens, once they say, oh, like my employer provides health insurance and my employer provides English as a learning language class, whatever that looks like, then they start to help recruit their family members in their own households, their neighbors, folks that they work with at church. They start to carpool together. I mean, really becomes a community effort. So both increases a lot of our clients see increases in both retention as well as internal recruitment efforts to continue to build their workforce. Great example is one of the largest clients that we have here locally in central Indiana is Walmart and some of their distribution centers. And I think at this point in time, they have over, you know, a couple thousand Burmese employees that they've been able to recruit and retain and build on just over the past couple of years. So it can be a significant addition to any, you know, manufacturing or logistics employer. Exactly. Like, if I may just add a little bit on what Tiff has just said is that we have heard from our clients where they mentioned that after they have interpreter make sure things communicate with the associates starting from the orientation, starting with the safety and expectation and, you know, the attendance policy and all of that, then they ended up seeing a lot of less turnover, as well as the quality, the work quality is definitely instead of people labeling, you know, things in a wrong space, because they didn't know that they may think that, oh, I can just, you know, stick on this sticker anywhere on the box after they are being instructed through the interpreter that, okay, all of these sticker will go to the right side, the left side, top, you know, so those instruction definitely make a big impact. And, you know, once their production goes out, then they can see the difference between, you know, having an interpreter increase a lot of communication, making sure their work is done correctly. Yeah. And one other service that we offer that we utilize really heavily in the manufacturing and logistics sectors is our on-demand telephone interpretation services. Essentially, using any cell phone, any phone really, you can call a hotline and you can get an interpreter on the phone in over 200 different languages in typically less than a minute. So if I'm a floor supervisor and I see that one of my team members is doing something incorrectly, but I don't have an interpreter or a bilingual employee nearby, I can get an interpreter on the phone really quickly put it on speakerphone or pull the employee aside and address those issues in the moment, which is going to, one, increase your productivity, but two, really increase your safety numbers as well, because you can correct things as you go along. So there's all sorts of different ways that employers can help to make sure that they have those resources in place for when those things happen, so that they can make sure that those safety numbers and those productivity numbers continue to go up. And also, you know, working with just a bilingual person versus a well-trained interpreter is a big difference as well. So we've seen ourselves with a lot of our clients that they come to us after having them, they have bilingual, trilingual employees, but then they continue to see some challenges where 
you know, people are trained or people are hired to be maybe their lead, their manager, their supervisor, but not necessarily a language provider. They may not have that training where interpreters, our interpreter, the lunar interpreters are trained. At least they start with a 40 hour minimum with their language testing. They have to pass certain level of their language test. And then after that, they have to shadow and, you know, all of that, then they are put to work. So that gives you an idea. For example, Tiff said that she speaks some Spanish. Maybe, you know, she may not be good enough now. I'm not saying forever, but maybe not to be a Spanish interpreter. So something like that, that can give you an understanding of having a trained interpreter does make a big impact when you're using just a bilingual or maybe somebody may speak some English and the other language. I want to follow this a little bit further because I see it happen a lot where the assumption is, well, this person speaks Spanish and English too, so we can just have this other bilingual employee help us communicate with the employee who's still an emerging English language learner. But there's a lot of situations that would come up at work or even out in the community where that's really inappropriate. And I wonder if you can talk with me about that. You know, I'm thinking specifically about a coaching conversation in HR or something disciplinary where maybe the bilingual person or multilingual person is that individual's peer. And in no other situation would we have their peer sit in on a coaching conversation with human resources. Yeah, that is a very good point, Stacey, because, you know, as we just talked about, there are some conflicts when it comes to the work place environment, right? So a team lead may be really good with what he or she is doing on the line. But then when it comes to say, you have to, you know, have a very serious conversation where the issue involves the team lead themselves with the associate and you're using the team lead as an interpreter, then that get really messy, where the employee may not be able to express what they think it is correct. So the communication can get really messy. It may even end up making the situation worse. So it is always helpful to have a third party then join the conversation, do the assessment, do the reviews as needed. Yeah. And to add to that, think about where the accuracy of the language is super, super important. I recently worked with a client where they had one employee making an allegation of discrimination against another employee, and they ended up having the employee write out everything to make an official statement. They wrote it in Burmese, they scanned it and sent it to our team, and then we translated that into English for them. And that's an official document that can count as they can have legal consequences, right? So to the point of like thinking about what is the actual language proficiency of your bilingual team member, are you able to assess that? (laughs) But then like, how do you make sure that, you know, there's some liability within some of the conversations or the official documents that you're creating to make sure that information is as accurate as possible? And we've been talking today in the context of the workplace, but there's more to it than this. I'm thinking about perhaps a school student who is maybe first generation, so English is a comfortable language for them, but that's not the language that's spoken at home. So at a doctor's appointment or an appointment with an attorney or even signing a lease, something like that, where now you've put this other person in a position of having to be accurate in what they are translating. And this may be a child. It may be a high school student who is translating for mom or dad what the guidance counselor is saying. Does Luna see a lot of that, I would assume? 
Yeah, definitely, Stacey, you asked such a great question. So we have layers of interpreters who are trained in several areas of their work. Of course, there are some of them that would do starting from very top, like, you know, conference interpreting, simultaneous interpreting, legal interpreting, and medical interpreting school, parent-teacher conference interpreting, and so on. So our interpreters are trained in those areas. For example, mental health is another area where not everybody can interpret. So we work with our interpreters very closely to make sure that they have that information as well, even before they go into that position where they are placed into a situation where they may not be comfortable interpreting for that particular situation. So we definitely have those interpreters that are trained in different backgrounds, different area. Education is another place where you mentioned, you know, we have to work with, especially our sign language interpreters, where they are signing all the time with those little kiddos, where spoken language interpreters, where they get to work even like a messenger between the school teacher and the parent. So that does require a lot of training where maybe a little different where you are interpreting in a warehouse versus you are interpreting in a school classroom and even in the operating room, you know. So those areas are where interpreters are being trained on, you know, different situation, different background. Yeah. And Stacy, to your point, you touched on a lot of the main sectors in which Luna has clients. So we have a, a number of employers that are in manufacturing and logistics. We work with school systems, hospital networks, court systems. We work in a lot of government agencies, but it's, you know, really spread out across a lot of different sectors where, I mean, communication is everywhere. <laughs> and so we do have a wide variety of clients, which is really fun for our team to really think about how can we make sure that what we're doing can apply to basically any situation. And how many interpreters do you have on staff? In the spoken language department, we have four staff interpreters. They are all certified core interpreters. But then in the ASL department, American Sign Language department, we have more than 12 staff. They are our staff interpreters, meaning they are our employee. But we have hundreds of close to, you know, a thousand contractors that work with us in a day-to-day -day basis. Amazing. Yeah. So across the state, I think we have over 1,700 interpreters that contract with us and that can take on work independently. And then for services like our on-demand telephone interpretation and translation, we literally source contractors and vendors that are in all parts of the globe, right? So you're talking about thousands of people across the world that we can tap into to make sure that we have solutions in any language and at any time. It's amazing. Absolutely amazing. How can people get in touch with Luna Language Services? This is certainly a, a need, I think, in most organizations to at least have the ability to get a hold of somebody when it's time for some interpreting. Yeah, so we have a really robust website, and that is luna360.com, so luna360.com. Uh, there's a lot of great resources on there to kind of do a little bit of research. You can also email us at info at luna360.com, and you'll reach our sales and marketing team. They field all of our inquiries, and whatever questions you have, they can make sure that you get connected to the right person. And then one other thing that I would suggest is with all of the educational work that we do, we post a lot of really great resources and recordings of all of our webinars on our YouTube page. So you can find us, Lunar Language Services on YouTube, and you can find a whole playlist of webinars that talk about language access, overcoming language barriers, and language access planning and budgeting. There's all sorts of resources that are there to help folks to make their own plans. 
What an incredible resource. What an incredible organization. Tiffany Hansen, NAFA, thank you for joining me today on the Envision Rise podcast. Uh, for our listeners, if you do want more information about Envision Rise, you can visit our website at envisionrise.com. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, diversity and inclusion should not be treated as a one-off initiative. And so with your help, we can get this message to more people. Subscribe, rate, and review the show and be a part of making a difference because it starts with you.